trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. It's a fine day for Wrong Think, which means it's a fine day to connect up with my friend Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hey, hi, Brian. Well, I guess it's a good day. The power's still on, and I don't see a mushroom cloud on the horizon, so <laughs> all in all, a good morning. You know, uh, the funny thing is I, I look at all the craziness that's going on, and I think, okay, but, you know, these things are all still within the realm of possibility, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, you and I were talking before we jumped on the air here, and... I just I want to throw this out there for for the sake of discussion. I'm hearing some buzz about military movements and seeing some pretty interesting footage popping up on Twitter. And I just wanted to get to get your take. Is is this something? Is is it is it nothing? What do you think? Well, I wish that I had a, a more authoritative basis for saying something. I don't really, you know, the military is at my bailiwick. I don't have that much knowledge about troop movements and so on. But I have seen the same videos that you've watched that seem to show in a number of cities around the country military vehicles showing up. And that is odd. And you wonder what that's all about. You know, and the obvious uh, implication is that they're getting ready to, to deal with some sort of civil unrest of some kind. And then the question that follows from that is, well, what would cause civil unrest? Um, and there are a couple of things that come to mind. One that I'm thinking of is that perhaps finally the proverbial cat is so far out of the bag with regard to the Biden family's criminal activities that, uh, uh, there's going to be some effort to remove him, perhaps. I don't know. And uh, and the, the woke left people would perhaps go berserk and crazy about that. And potentially there's also something having to do with what's going on internationally. You know, we don't hear much about Kiev anymore, which is probably because things aren't going so well in Kiev. Yeah, I, well, and, and this raises a, a pretty good question, too, about who do you trust? Because if, if right now it seems like conventional wisdom is if in any way you acknowledge, wow, things still look like they're going so well in, in Ukraine, uh, well, you're just a Putin stooge and you're, you're a Putin puppet and so forth. So it, I, I have to wonder, where can a person get reliable information? You had mentioned uh, an account that you follow on Twitter that, that you have found has, you know, better information than not. Yeah, well, the difficulty is, is first of all, in finding somebody who you can uh, you can regard as being an honest purveyor of news and analysis. With regard to this business in Ukraine, I, I follow uh, Douglas McGregor, who is a retired lieutenant colonel, and he's a scholar, military scholar. I think he was also um, an assistant to, uh, to, to, not to Trump himself, but to the Secretary of Defense, I think it was, uh, in the Trump administration. Anyway, he's a very solid guy, a serious guy. Uh, who appears to have very credible information, and he, pre- he presents it in a very uh, intelligent and articulate way. He's not somebody who just hurls out assertions and opinions. And I, I, I feel as though he knows what's going on over there, and he's letting people know. And what he says is that all along, the whole time this thing has been going on, uh, the Russian goal has been to meet grinder the Kievians into submission. And that makes sense to me. And that, you know, Russia is still a very powerful country, and this idea that somehow Russia hasn't got the military capability, if it chose to, to, to overrun Ukraine, to completely occupy it and take it over in a matter of a couple of weeks, strikes me as ludicrous. Um, they had limited aims. They wanted the Russians out of the Don, the, the Ukrainians out of the Donbass, and, and they wanted uh, to force the Ukrainian government 
to disavow this business of becoming part of NATO. That's been their, their objective all along. And in the course of, of pursuing it, what they've done is allowed the Ukrainians to kind of throw what they've got at the Russians, who then just grind it up and spit it out. And according to, to McGregor, the, the whole thing is essentially at the point of being a complete rout and that the Ukrainian government of Zelensky is on the verge of total collapse. Well, it definitely adds to the volatility in an already unstable world. Um, I'd love to get your take, too, on um, financially. I'm, I'm hearing some interesting rumblings about the dollar and countries decoupling mm-hmm. from the dollar as, the, you know, the world's reserve currency. I, the, when I saw, you know, the first footage of those, some of those military movements, that was actually the first thing that popped in my mind was, huh, I wonder if, I wonder if we're, you know, going to see some major shift in terms of, uh, you know, how our banks are operating. Very possible. I mean, we all know that the system is not stable. I think that's one of the reasons everybody, every rational person, uh, is, is feeling uh, ill at ease, has the heebie-jeebies. Uh, we can't feel confident, as we once felt, that the money that we have in our pockets and in our banks is going to uh, have any value six months from now. And with regard to these financial developments, sometimes things happen extremely quickly, as in overnight. You know, there could be some kind of a run on the banks. There could be uh, some attempt to digitize the currency, currency via a, an executive decree from the Biden regime. These people are capable of anything. I think that's the other side of the coin here that's so alarming. It used to be that in the past, we could rest comfortably in the knowledge that even our political opponents wouldn't have the effrontery, wouldn't have uh, the gall to do X, Y, or Z. But these people do. They're willing to do, it seems, practically anything. You know, even to the extent of pushing the world into a nuclear war, uh, you know, over this, this business of propping up the Zelensky regime. So what are they not willing to do? Yep. And I guess uh, one of the big tells, at least for me, this, this is kind of my line in the sand of when, okay, I'm going to get concerned at this point, is when, when it becomes clear that uh, there are widespread, sustained internet outages, I'll yeah. guaranteed that's when the hair on the back of my neck is going to be standing straight up. Sure. Sure. You know, and you know, just playing out the scenario, you remember when uh, George Bush, uh, the, the younger, became the president. He had a very low approval rating, and he was considered kind of a, a mockery. And then all of a sudden, he became the war president. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And his his approval rating went to you know 90-plus percent. It was unprecedented. Uh, and here we have a, a president who's clearly flailing, even among his own base. He's not popular. People don't like this guy. Uh, well, what could be better than uh, what would be the solution to that? Become the war president. Declare martial law, even. And then we no longer have to worry about any uh, any fuss about our democracy. We just do what Joe Biden and the people around him tell us to do. Well, uh, our goal here isn't to spread fear or, or for that matter, to spread rumors. But uh, I think we could make the case that uh, it's really wise to have awareness and, of course, be living as self-sufficient a lifestyle as you can possibly manage at all times. Well, that too. I, I really think, you know, you talk about fear. I don't think this is fear. I think this is sense. Uh, you know, you, you and I have read, other people have read about um, uh, Jewish people in the, in, in the 30s who simply could not believe that they were being uh, herded up and rounded and put into boxcars to be sent to their death. They really believed, no, no, this is Germany. This is a civilized country. This sort of thing can't happen here. We're being relocated. I think it's critically important that all of us get our heads straight and understand what we're up against. And these people are, are evil. Let's call it out and name it because that's what it is. Yep. Okay, I appreciate you letting me pick your mind on this. Uh, like I say, I've I still have have more questions than answers, but I'm I'm glad to see that mm-hmm. I'm not alone in, in trying to make sense of this. Just because there's a lot of weirdness afoot right now. 
no question, weirdness every day. I mean, that's part of what's demoralizing. We really don't know whether the ground that's under our feet is going to be solid an hour from now. Yep. And as you had mentioned, the corruption that's coming out now, um, it's, I don't know. You know, sometimes I, I despair in the sense that I think, you know, the, the political blob, the, the the unaccountable state is so entrenched. I, I don't know that any real accountability may be possible, but every so often something, you know, kicks loose and it's like, oh, well, maybe it all could come tumbling down. Well, you know, don't lose heart because remember, if we go back to 2020, uh, remember how we felt that, oh, my God, this is you know, th- these people are never going to see that the face diapering thing uh, is evil. They're never going to get it. Uh, they're never going to understand about the about the so-called vaccines. Well, it took some time. There's always a lag. You know, you turn the tiller of the Titanic and the Titanic doesn't turn right away. It takes a little while for the awareness to dawn and then to spread and then for action to happen. And I think that may be uh, the same dynamic that's playing out now with regard to Biden. Well, one can hope, although, you know, <laughs> you know, you have to wonder. So so what would come next? Let's say that Biden is given the bums rush. And, uh, you know, I don't I cannot make myself believe that Kamala Harris is taken seriously enough, even in D.C. circles, that, that they will allow her to be they being whoever the powers are pulling the strings, you know, to be president. So nor I, well, nor I. The, the, in fact, the, the most worrisome prospect to me is that of Michelle Obama being brought forward. Oh, yeah. Or Gavin Newsom, for that matter. Or him. Though, you know, Newsom, in a way, I think might even be preferable because I think Newsom is just another slick con man. I think, you know, he leverages these left politics because it enriches him and it makes him a celebrity. Whereas uh, I believe that Michelle Obama is like her husband. Uh, I think that she is a woke Marxist and she does want to fundamentally transform this country. Well, and she's got the name recognition and the backing of. Oh, and she's black and she's a woman. You know, I mean, how dare you criticize a black woman? I was sorry. You I was, must be I was, racist if you, if you if you disagree with her. Clearly, you're you're both a racist and a misogynist. And I was about to make a joke about allegedly a woman, just because there's. Oh yeah, pretty- Big Mike. I know. <laughs> I thought about that too. Yeah. Interesting rumor circling circulating around, but you know, given the rainbow month that we're in the middle of right now, again, you know, pretty much anything's on the table. It seems. Imagine though, if that's true. You know, I used to dismiss that out of hand, but now I don't know. There's like ten percent of me, maybe that thinks maybe there's something to that. All right, we've got we've got some great stuff to discuss in the next segment. Again, Eric Peters from EricPetersAutos.com is my guest. You'll find a link to his website in my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Stay close. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. My guest is Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com. Eric, uh, you always have great articles, thought-provoking content throughout the week. Uh, your, your article on the winnowing really mm-hmm. grabbed my attention. Let's, let's take a moment and talk about that. Yeah, well, the reference is to the, uh, the, the, the regulatory push in California and other states that have decided they're just going to do whatever California does to their own people uh, to make it so that if you want a vehicle that isn't electric, you have to jump through hoops to get it. Uh, in California now, if you want um, a gas-powered vehicle, you can't go to the dealer and check it out, take it for a test drive. Uh, you just have to order it and then wait potentially for months for it to arrive. Essentially, what they're trying to do is to pariahize anybody who does not want 
an EV. In Germany, there was a term for it. It's called Unterwunsch, and they would post that sign. Juden sind hier Unterwunsch, and what it meant was Jews not welcome here. And essentially, that's what they're saying with regards to cars that are not electric. And they're trying to make people feel like they're dirty and evil and bad if they want to get a you know carbon spewing non-EV. Uh, and the really frightening thing, too, you know, California is crazy, but 13 other states have decided they're going to just go along with whatever California, and not even the California legislature. There's a regulatory apparatus in California called the California Air Resources Board. It's just a bureaucracy, kind of like the DMV, and they issue these regulations. And uh, the regulations have been issued, and now 13 other states have said, well, whatever CARB does, we're going to do, too. So essentially a third or more of the country now, uh, if you happen to live in one of these states, if you want a car that's not electric, you know, they're going to make it really hard for you to get one. Gads, I, you know, more and more, I'm sorry if it sounds like a conspiracy, but it just feels like we're being shepherded into EVs because electricity is going to be a lot easier to control. And, and you know, I think I've told you, I follow a, a guy on, on YouTube, um, the Suspicious Observers. His name is Ben. The yeah. guy's a scientist. Uh, and. Yeah. and one of the things he warns about that to me is, is I think, a very credible threat. It's not climate change so much as um, solar activity uh, and, and the likelihood of another Carrington event. In other words, a, yep. a coronal mass ejection of electromagnetic energy could wipe out a significant portion of electronics on, mm-hmm. you know, on planet Earth. And, and I'm not saying that. You well, know, you know, that might not be a... That might not even be a bad thing because it would it would serve at least to cut the cord, so to speak. It would cut the power of of some of these uh, these control freaks. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm just kidding, but you know, <laughs> given the context of the times that we're in, what I wanted to mention though that that ties into this this what we're talking about uh, and the cat being out of the bag. The WEF, our friends uh, at the World Economic Forum, who are these people? As Seinfeld used to say. Anyway, they openly say now their goal is that 75% of the, uh, the vehicles in circulation shall not be around by 2050. Essentially, they're admitting exactly what you just said a moment ago, that this whole electrification push is about pushing most of us out of cars, period. Yeah, it's, it, it, is, it has that smack of control to it. And, uh, you know, I want to have options. So, you know, as, as much as possible, I guess I'm going to be living out uh, red barchetta in some way because I intend to have, you know, a, a gas engine as long as it's uh, possible. Well, me too. And I think that, we're, you know, we've got to realize, I think, and this is, this is a, you know, it's a heavy thought, but I think to not think it is foolish. I think we are now at a, at a, uh, at a crux, at a turning point um, in, in, in history that this country, this nation, America, uh, is not viable any longer. Um, what I mean by that is we've got a, at least a third of the population, probably, that wants to live in essentially the Soviet Union. That's you know what they're they're you know they they advocate. That's what they vote for. They want to live in the Soviet Union. So our our job, those of us who don't want to live in a revived Soviet Union, is to figure out how to separate ourselves from these people somehow to uh, to prevent them from forcing us to end up in a Soviet Union. Yep. Agreed. And, uh, you know, like you, I will resist it uh, as long as there's breath in my lungs. I, I will continue to, to fight against that. Tell me what, what else is on uh, on your radar screen. Let me ask you this. We haven't talked cars for, for a couple of episodes. So mm-hmm. tell me tell me what's new and interesting that has uh, been sitting in your driveway uh, waiting for a test drive. Well, uh, I've enjoyed the BMW Z4 uh, for the past week, which is 
one of the few fun cars that you can still buy. One of the few cars that still has a six-cylinder engine, or can, you can get it with a six-cylinder engine. That's become as rare as a V12. Remember when high-end cars used to have V12s? You don't see those as much anymore. Uh, anyway, you know that that is a, a, a pleasant intermission from electrification. I'm getting an electric so-called motorcycle uh, in about a week or two, and they advised me to not use it on the highway <laughs> because it only goes 80 miles, and that's optimistic. And so you wow. get on the highway, probably you're going to be sitting by the side of the highway uh, after a while, and then you've got this 500-pound uh, inert block of metal and plastic and alloy that you can't even push because now here's an interesting thing. It, you know, it doesn't have a clutch, so when an EV croaks, it's immovable. It's an immovable object. Oh, man. Um, and that gets us to the – Toyota is talking about simulating manual transmissions in electric vehicles. There's no mechanical transmission. There's no there's not, no clutch, no gears to shift, but they're talking about simulating it, kind of like a game that you would play behind the wheel. That's the state that we've reached. You know, everything's fake. Everything is uh, false. We're, we're living in the Matrix. You know, that movie came out, what, in 1998, and here we are. That's amazing. And it, you and I were joking around about this a couple of months ago about, you know, well, uh, now you can actually pipe engine sounds in through your electric vehicle speakers, yes. you know, to give the impression, oh, look, I'm driving this powerful car. I actually saw a wonderful sure. prank video where a guy bought a Tesla. This is an older model Tesla. And uh, basically they they took the, the batteries out. They put a gas engine in it. And then this guy just plays dumb, takes it to a, a mechanic and says, yeah, I need to get my oil changed. And, of course, the mechanic's like, dude, this is a Tesla, but uh-huh. it's, it's, it sounds like a gas car. And anyway, uh, it, 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 it's a great prank, but it also is some wonderful satire on, you know, what the yep. lengths that people will go to to simulate driving a gas car, uh, you know, just but, but faking it. I'm glad he put the Tesla to good use. But, you know, to get back to the Matrix, <laughs> uh, do you remember the scene where one of the characters makes a deal with the evil AI that controls the Matrix to be put back in so that he can enjoy the, the fiction of the juicy steak oh, that yeah. he knows isn't real? Yep. That, that's, you know, that's essentially what's happening now. You know, people are being conditioned and taught to accept the ersatz, the fake, the virtual, rather than the real. By the way, one of the, one of the great pieces of writing from the matrix somebody pointed this out the other day i never had caught on to this but you remember when when uh, neo the the star meets uh, i guess it's the oracle the first thing she does yep. is she gives him a cookie and they were like now this this is simulating your online experience you know you want to you want to go somewhere to get the information you want to visit the oracle so to speak online We'll need a cookie, you know, take the cookie. Oh, that's brilliant. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, that's and, wow. and co- considering when that came out. I mean, you know, computer technology, you know, we're, we're all a lot more fluent in, in, you know, what it's like to be online. But I just thought, okay, that, that really was, uh, that was really quite a, quite a brilliant twist of writing. It really was. It, and that movie was hugely prophetic in a warning kind of a way. And, uh, you know, I, I try to reference these movies because I think it's, it's helpful to use pop culture. A lot of people may not be people who go out and read, uh, you know, Nietzsche or Rand or, or Von Mises, or Nietzsche, but they watch movies, right? So, you know, if, if you can make a point using a movie reference, something that, that clicks with them, uh, it, it can sometimes do better than uh, having them read a, a 600 book, a 600 page uh, book about political philosophy. Here, here. And there's there's something to be said. In fact, there's a lot to be said for cultural literacy. Uh, it's not just a matter of, yeah, I'm going to go on Jeopardy and win big, but it, it also mm-hmm. encompasses an awareness of what's happening around you and, and why it's happening. Some of it's going to be good. Absolutely. Some of it's going to be, you know, kind of out there. Yes, absolutely. 
And you know, we, we, I think it's important that people learn to understand, to see the things that connect individual things that by themselves would appear to be disconnected, but in fact, they're related. That's a key skill to have because it helps you to see patterns. Our brains are wired for that. You know, when we look outside, we see things and our, our brain automatically connects with us and we see things. Well, there, there's also a conscious habit of thought uh, that enables a person to do the same thing with regard to, you know, political development. You see X and X is related to Y and Y ends up with Z. Here, here, Eric, great as always to visit with you. I look forward to our next conversation. Good, O'Brien. Thank you. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Do want to give a quick shout out to my sponsors who make this program possible on a day to day basis. They do so by helping keep the wolf away from my door. And they include ClimbingUpward.com, also ClimbingUpwardMusic.com, TMCPNation.com, that's the Modern Conservative Podcast, my friend John Harvey, Borelli.com, LifesavingFood.com, as well as MonticelloCollege.org. You know, too many laws, that's a, that can be a bad thing, right? I think we're, we're experiencing this firsthand in many places. So many laws, everybody's a potential criminal, simply because there are just more laws than you can know and when the law is incomprehensible, you know, it's just a matter of, well, we'll find something to, to rein you in. But, you know, not enforcing the actual laws that are on the books, and I mean laws that protect life, liberty, and property, that's also a big problem. And, and I'm just, I shake my head in amazement at what's happening in California. John Miltimore, writing for the Foundation for Economic Education, says California is trying to pass a law that would stop employees from confronting shoplifters. I know, you think, why, why would they do something like that? Isn't it against the law to steal? And yet, uh, I see all too often, you know, especially on Twitter, I see little, you know, clips of people's phone video. They're shopping at Target or someplace, and here come people pulling trash bags out of their pockets and just loading everything in and walking out the door. Walgreens, you know, you name it. It's It's crazy. And yet, uh, now California is is considering passing a bill that uh, would make it illegal for employees to confront those shoplifters. Basically, let them take it. How can a store even stay in business when there's that kind of uh, disdain for property rights? And as John Miltonware makes the case, property rights are the wellspring of all human rights as well as a pillar of civilization. So here's what he says. Thomas Baltimore Jr., chairman and CEO of Parks Hotels of Park Hotels and Resorts, announced earlier this month his company would stop paying a $725 million loan on two of San Francisco's largest hotels, Hilton San Francisco Union Square and Park 55. Baltimore cited low demand and concerns over street conditions as reasons to stop payments on the hotels, which will be returned to the lender. Now, that decision is another blow to downtown San Francisco as well as California, which has experienced a massive outflow of people and businesses. In fact, the list of companies that have left the Golden State is far too long to list out in just one article. And it includes established Fortune 500 companies like Hewlett-Packard, Chevron, Pabst Brewing, as well as a rapidly, growing, uh, rapidly growing companies like Snowflake, Palantir, and Tesla. 
Now, there's no single reason companies are abandoning California in droves. Aggressive lockdown policies likely didn't help. California's tax and regulatory climate also played a role. And then there's the problem of crime, which Park Hotels discreetly sidestepped. Now, few would deny that crime is a growing concern in the Golden State, especially in major cities. In 2021, New York Times journalist Thomas Fuller went to the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco Walgreens to buy a toothbrush. And he saw a man walk into the store, grab a bunch of beef jerky, and walk out. So he said to the clerk, hey, I'm new to San Francisco. Is it optional to pay for things here? Now, what Fuller was referring to was what he called an epidemic of shoplifting, which he traced to changes in California law that reclassified thefts as misdemeanors if the stolen goods totaled less than $950. Videos on social media show people walking into stores, loading up on goods, and walking out. And the culture has caused companies like Walgreens, which shuttered 22 stores in San Francisco alone over a period of five years, to cease doing business in many of these locations. Now, many accused Walgreens of crying wolf on the matter of retail theft, and California lawmakers recently made it clear they won't take the matter seriously. So earlier this month, the California Senate passed Bill 553, legislation that would discourage retail store employees from confronting shoplifters. The legislation passed weeks after a Home Depot security guard was shot and killed during a Pleasanton, California robbery. And they say it's designed to protect employees by forbidding employers from instructing employees to confront shoplifters. California State Senator Dave Cortez told a local news station, What we're saying in the bill is it's not okay for employers to take a rank-and-file worker, somebody whose job is really something else, and say, Hey, you know, if there's an intruder, we're going to deputize you to intervene. Now, even accepting Cortez's argument that the legislation doesn't prevent employees from intervening in cases of theft and just makes it unlawful for employees, employers rather, to ask employees to stop thieves from stealing, John Miltimore points out that legislation would be disastrous. A law that would prohibit employers from telling their employees that customers are not allowed to take whatever they want without paying for it would clearly incentivize shoplifting. It would further promote the culture Fuller described, one in which it's viewed as optional to pay for things. That's the culture that's driving companies out of California. It's not just crime or high taxes or pandemic mandates. It's a culture that shows disdain for property rights, which are the wellspring of all human rights and a pillar of civilization. John Miltimore says the moment an idea is admitted, actually he's quoting John Adams here, uh, the moment an idea is admitted into society that property is not as sacred as the laws of God and that there is not a force of law and public justice to protect it, anarchy and tyranny commence. Now John Adams wrote that in 1787. If thou shalt not covet and thou shalt not steal, were not commandments of heaven, they must be made inviolable precepts in every society before it can be civilized or made free. Now, California lawmakers have shown utter contempt for property rights for years, making it illegal for employers, for employers to st- instruct employees to stop customers from stealing. Well, that's just the latest example. John Miltimore says until California changes this culture and demonstrates it respects the property rights of people and businesses, it will continue to decline and lose beautiful hotels such as Hilton San Francisco Union Square and Park 55. 
Okay, I'll admit it's been it's been a few years now since I've been to the Bay Area. I think 2018 was the last time I was there. And, you know, frankly, I spent more time, uh, I was attending a, a training workshop in, in Napa. So I spent more time, you know, elsewhere outside of the Bay Area, just, you know, travel through the Bay Area, passing through, traveling to and from. But, man, I'll tell you that I, I really, I would have no desire to go and visit there. You know, the stories of people using the street as a bathroom, the the theft, the drug use and so forth. And, and, and then when you couple that with the official mindset of, of, you know, California lawmakers, if government won't even protect your property, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look at this from the business owner's point of view. What incentive do you have to go into business in the first place? Are you just expected to sit back and suck up the losses as long as you can manage to stay in business? I don't know. That's, that sounds like a hellish environment to try to run a profitable business, much less to find employees that are willing to work in that. Okay, welcome to your shift. Uh, you know, just sit back and watch the gangs roll in and clean everything out. And I mean, it's, it's, it's basically, I don't like to overuse this term, but politicians engage in a lot of legal plunder in which they plunder people's pocketbooks, they take people's money through taxation, and then uh, go spend it on their pet projects. But this is legalizing a different kind of plunder. And that would be looting, theft, robbery. And of course, heaven help you if you defend yourself or something like that. I mean, this is going to sound like a flex. I don't mean for it to. I'm not trying to say, ah, nah, 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 I'm better than anybody else here. I am very grateful to live where I live in a fairly rural area where that kind of crap is just simply not tolerated. And that doesn't mean because everybody in Idaho is bloodthirsty and violent and ready to throw down at a moment's notice whenever a bad guy appears. No, it's nothing quite like that. It's just there's a respect for other people. There's a respect for other people's property. And while we may have a criminal element here, there's certainly there are certainly those who belong to the criminal element. It's just not acceptable. The norms, the mores of society, at least in in you know flyover country, are that it's not okay to go steal somebody else's stuff. You know, and I don't know what the motivation is. Some people, well, we got to try and understand this is reparations. There's reparations here for everybody. Well, okay, well, who's doing reparations for the business owner? Seems like they'd be do something. Do, they'd be due, you know, some kind of payback for the wrong that's been done to them. After all, they're the ones who put up the money to purchase the goods. They're the ones who built the store, hired the workforce, stocked the shelves. I mean, they're providing a valuable service for somebody. Why do we look at them as just, well, but that's just, you know, they're like Christmas Day in a, in a store, you know, just go pick out whatever you want. I certainly don't blame those who are fleeing and trying to find, you know, greener pastures. In fact, a lot of them have found their way to uh, Idaho, <laughs> which for which I'm very grateful. Backed all through the inner mountain west, you'll see a lot of people who are trying to get away from that kind of nonsense. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This 
is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. All right. Hey, now I want to give a quick shout out here and thanks to uh, the two big news talkers in southern Utah. That would be KSUB and also KDXU. Both my former stomping grounds. I'm very grateful that they air this program. Now, it, it airs on the weekends, but I just want you to know you've got uh, you have uh, you have a voice of, of reason available to you. And and I'm very thankful that uh, that they have, have chosen to air this program and you know, if, you, if you're looking for a, a fix that's not, uh, you know, steeped in sensationalism, I'm here for you. They'll handle the, uh, you know, their morning shows are wonderful. They'll handle all the, the local content. But, uh, yeah, it's it's really good to, to be a part of, uh, of that radio family and um, very happy to still have a presence in that market. So there's a lot of weird stuff going on at the moment. A lot of noticeable military movements and increasing evidence of official corruption at the highest levels. And I'm not trying to spread rumors or otherwise get you wound up here. Just, it's it's curious, you know, there's nothing much being said in the press, which, you know, is par for the course. But I thought you might appreciate James Howard Kunstler's take on our strange days. He starts with a quote from Jacob Driesen. Team Brandon has also made the USA utterly toxic to 80% of humanity sort of what they accused Trump of doing, but they actually did it. LOL. They are the gift that keeps on giving. Now, James Howard Kunstler says, Strange doings at a strange time in a strange land. Videos of widespread military vehicle movements around our nation popped up on the web at mid-weekend while the American citizenry went about its holiday weekend business, including Father's Day revels and Juneteenth celebration mass shootings. Scenes of armored personnel carriers rolling down Walnut Street in downtown Philly. B-2 bomber wings over Minnesota. Tank columns galumphing along a California highway, leading to widespread suspicions that something untoward is up. But he says, darned if I know what it is. Among the things one can know, the Joe Biden presidency is whirling around the drain in plain sight, and with it, likely the globalist hopes and dreams of making everybody eat bugs while they take away everything you own. Last week, audio tape surfaced at the main parties to the Ukraine grift. That would be Biden and uh, Poroshenko working things out in 2016 over the phone in JB's final days as vice president. Meanwhile, the House Oversight Committee's got its mitts on Biden family bank records galore, detailing the abstruse money laundering activities that were run through obscure European banks and innumerable Biden shell companies. See, it's getting hard even for the Democrats to ignore the accumulating evidence of the Biden family's global grift operation. And J.B.'s obvious advancing mental deterioration, provoking moves that he should that should lead to his ejection from office. Last week, their captive mainstream media broadcast a cavalcade of, an embar- of embarrassing public idiocies committed by the commander-in-chief. For instance, declaring... God save the queen, incongruously at the end of a gun safety summit in Connecticut. Groping actress Eva Longoria's boobs at a White House movie screening. Cracking a weird joke about the Philadelphia girl in his bed. That would be Dr. Jill Biden he's talking about. Being introduced at an I-95 bridge collapse event by brain-damaged Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, who tossed up a word salad about the federal delegation aiming to fix infructure while dressed up looking like Uncle Fester out of the Adams family. The indignity of it all was really something to behold. Now, Kunstler says, you understand, Joe Biden's re-election campaign is another rank hoax, 
Yet another trip laid on the American public by a desperate, degenerate Democratic Party that doesn't know what to do next with public opinion souring on it. There's no way this gibbering near corpse can run again. He can't even perform as a puppet anymore. He's a broke-down engine pulling a train of failure, perfidy, and treason five miles long behind him. The Ukraine war project he presides over looks more and more like an effort to conceal and cover up his family's bribery schemes by laying waste to the pitiful chump of a foreign land that went along with the grift, which anyway is winding up as yet another American American military humiliation with the Russians finishing off what's left of Ukraine's army in the failed spring offensive. So Kunstler asks, do you suppose that all these military vehicle movements around the country in recent days signal a constitutional crisis in the offing, necessitating martial law? He says, well, let me lay it out. Absolutely no one believes that Vice President Kamala Harris is up to the job of stepping in when Joe Biden gets bum-rushed out of the White House. Nor, he says, I'm sure, are they willing to force her to resign hastily without a substitute vice president, say, Gavin Newsom, in place a cumbersome process that requires approval by both House and Senate, with the Senate split 50-50 and no vice president to preside over the body with a tie-breaking vote. But if Harris were flat-out forced to resign, then Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy would automatically become president. Now, Mr. McCarthy is arguably just another houseboy of the now heinous administrative state or deep state or permanent bureaucracy or blob, as it's sometimes called. But he's not a Democrat and is subject to the fractious pressures in the Republican Party and could plausibly be induced to fire and replace post-haste the whole honking host of seditious rogues running the executive agencies. From Attorney General Merrick Garland to FBI Director Chris Wray, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, Treasury Secretary Yellen, every last one of them, which could even lead to prosecutions of these scoundrels. And so James Howard Kunstler says, any way you cut it, that looks like the sudden catastrophic downfall of the Democratic Party. An existential crisis that would amount ineluctably to one possible outcome. Nominate Bobby Kennedy Jr. or die. But then what would Mr. Kennedy do about all the remaining bad actors in the party of chaos? He says, well, my guess is that almost all of them, down to the rank and file, would snap out of the mass formation psychosis they've been locked in for seven years and completely flip. Denouncing the tyrannical madness that their deposed leadership inflicted on our country, they might even believe it never happened or that they were not responsible for it, like the whole thing was no more than a bad dream. Or maybe... He says, what we're seeing in these military movements is the prelude to a real live military coup d'etat. Just saying. Now, again, I I don't share this with you to get you nervous or otherwise make you feel like, oh boy, oh boy, here it comes. But that really is curious. And I would, you know, keep an ear to the ground. Be aware. Keep your gas tank topped up. Make sure you've got the things that you need. But then again, you know, that just makes sense even if everything's going swimmingly, right? Okay, a couple other quick articles I want to touch on real quick here. Um, I won't have time to share both of them with you, but look, Father's Day's passed, so it's, it's fashionable once again to, to hate on dads, treat them like big, goofy, unnecessary fools once again. Uh, Thomas Harrington has an awesome article on the Brownstone Institute's website about those silly dads on TV. 
And he says American fathers are amiable doofuses who mostly care about getting and sitting in front of big screen TVs while their much savvier wives scurry around for them and provide almost everything of lasting value that children might need. That seems to be the central message of much of the mainstream media and its advertising apparatus. And then there's the other part, the one that says, well, when they're not uh, just useless watching football, they're just venting on their well-known preternatural penchant for verbal and physical violence on the world around them. Seems like a very interesting way to uh, portray fathers. And I'm not trying to, you know, flex here. I'm a dad of six, but I... I do sometimes uh, get a little bit weary with uh, with the cultural portrayal, particularly in the entertainment media, about uh, you know what dads are and what they aren't. I will just say this: I miss my dad more than ever. I'm very grateful to to have met my biological father and to to have his influence in my life. Dads are more important than than we're being led to believe. And it's, it's true of, of mothers as well. So when you see things that are breaking the family down and, you know, they're trying to tell us that, well, this is the natural and normal thing, just keep in mind, that's always been the goal of really hardcore left-wing ideology. Break down the family, tear it apart, and make sure that uh, people don't have that, uh, that allegiance in their lives. I mean, come on, Karl Marx taught that the family was, you know, antithetical to, to true freedom. Now, I can only imagine why. I think he kind of spells it out in the Communist Manifesto. But it's the idea that it's, it's a competing authority to the authority of the party. And that's why in, in instances of what some have called true communism, and the Khmer Rouge in, in Cambodia probably came the closest to, to practicing this under Pol Pot, families were very strictly forbidden. The party is your family. You know, children, they don't belong to you. They belong to the party. You don't have, you know, fealty to a spouse or anything like that. And maybe I'm just selfish. Maybe, In fact, maybe I'm just, you know, this patriarchal, uh, you know, cisgendered, white male, blah, blah, blah. Maybe that's why I'm seeing things. You know, I'm just seeing my power structure being threatened. But then again, I might be looking at it from the standpoint of these are a lot of the qualities that actually led to stability and prosperity and happiness in society in spite of what the leftists might be saying. All I know is family is worth defending. This is The Brian Hyde Show.